Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, Today we are finishing up our series called Asking for a Friend. And this series we've just been talking through some of the questions that have been posed to us, and we have had a bunch of questions posed to us, and uh, this week be looking for a video that we will do. Uh, Some of our pastors are going to answer some of the questions that we couldn't get to in the course of this series, so I would encourage you to uh, be looking for that on social media. We'll release that this week sometime, and, uh, and I'd love for you to to just check that out as well. But during this series, we've talked through questions like, uh, is it biblical for women to be pastors? Um, We talked through some end time events last week. Uh, We talked through um, just questions about salvation and, you know, will my children be saved if I raise them in church? And so we've just talked through some of these kind of things. And, uh, and today we're looking at a question that I get so often, and really probably a lot of our pastors get a, this question regularly from people. And I think to some degree or another, a lot of believers deal with this question um, at some point or another. And the question, we got several forms of this question. But the question was this, how do I know that I'm choosing the path that God wants me to follow when I have so many possible paths to choose from. Another person asked, how do I know that I'm following the path God has chosen for me? And really what they're asking is, how do I know the will of God? And, and if we're honest, don't we all struggle with that question at some point in our lives? Maybe it's when we're facing a decision about a job, or maybe if you're single, you're facing that decision regarding the person you're dating. Is this the one? Is this the person I'm supposed to spend my life with? And wouldn't it be great if God just sent us a text message? If it, like our phone buzzed and we looked and God said, you're gonna be married on this date in the future and this is the person's name and you could just go, great. I'm d- we, we don't need to spend any more time together because you're not the one. Like that's it, right? Like we're gonna cut bait right now. No need to move forward to this thing because I know who I'm marrying and when it's gonna be. Um, if, if you're praying about a job situation and God texts you, you're in the middle of the interview and God, nope, God says I don't need to take this job that I should stay in the job I'm in. So thanks very much, I appreciate it, and you just leave. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not what God does, right? And so it requires something more than just a text message from God. And, um, and that's what I want us to walk through today. What does that look like for us to know the will of God, for us to, to walk in the will of God? Because it sounds like such a mysterious thing, but I want you to know something. You can know what God wants for your life. In a broad sense, there are some very specific things God says in Scripture for us. Let me start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says this, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from sexual sin. God's will is for you to be holy. That's his desire for you. So no matter what the specific situation is you're dealing with, his desire is that you would live a life of holiness. And part of living a life of holiness is, is staying away from sexual sin. And sexual sin is anything, any sexual contact outside the marriage covenant. So it can be pornography. It can be adultery. It can be all kinds of things. Maybe it's just something going on in your mind, but it's sexual sin. And what, what Paul is telling the church at Thessaloniki is this. God wants you to be holy. His desire is for you to live a holy life. So abstain from, avoid, stay away from all sexual sin. We see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says this. 
Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to catch this. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. There is no qualifier on either one of these, on any of three of these, right? So, so what he's saying is always be joyful. Even if your candidate doesn't win the election in November, Be thankful in all circumstances, even if your candidate doesn't win the election in November, right? Because if we're going to be honest, isn't it easy to be thankful in all circumstances when the circumstances are good? Isn't it easy to be joyful always when everything is aligned in our lives? Isn't it easy to, to, to pray in the right circumstance? But what what Paul is telling the church is it's God's will for you to be joyful always, to live in a constant state of joy. It's God's will that you would continually be praying because prayer is not just something we fire off to God. Prayer is communication between us and someone we know. So we stay in constant communication with God. Be thankful in all circumstances. And the reason we can do this is because we're in a relationship with God. We can stay in a state of joyfulness because our joy is not contingent on our circumstance. We can be thankful in all circumstance because we know that God is our God, that we are in relationship with him. We can trust him. So all these things are God's will. God's will is for us to be holy, joyful, continually praying, thankful. So no matter what else is going on in your life, this should be a priority for us to say, I want God's will for my life. What I've discovered is a lot of times we want God's will as long as God's will is in alignment with our will. We're, we're good about praying, God, I want your will for my life, and then when God's will looks different than ours, we're like, God, maybe, maybe you messed this one up. God, I want your will for my life. And he says, don't be dating this person. And you're like, no, 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 God. That's your will for somebody else. You, you sent me the wrong message, Right? And then when, when God's will and our will are different, we put up a fight. We go, God, maybe you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you don't understand the circumstance. But the reality is we want God's will, and many times we're seeking it over a specific situation. So here's what I want to help you with. Um, I get the question a lot, hey, I need help discerning God's will because people think that I have a pipeline to God, that there's a red phone in my office Right? And they, they asked me, and I, hold on one second, God, Mel here. I need to know the will, your will for this person. Got it, thanks. And I hang up the phone, and I go, here's what God said to you. And that's not what happens, okay? Because um, I'm not going to reveal any secrets to you today. I'm not gonna draw back the curtain, and you're gonna go, oh my gosh, that's how we discover the will of God. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna walk with you through what I do to find the will of God for my life. And this isn't like one of those television specials where the magician reveals all the tricks. That's not what this is. So if you're looking for that, you're going to be disappointed. But what I do want to do is just help you see what I do to, to discern God's will. So how do we know God's will for specific situations? First thing is this. And by the way, I've told you before, every good sermon by every good pastor has three points. This is not a good sermon by a good pastor, Okay. This has five points, sorry, five, five. <laughs> They're leaving right now, get your stuff, get out of here. Four or less, that's all we'll do. 
So if you're taking notes, or if you're following along on the uh, YouVersion Bible app, you can take some notes there. The first thing I would tell you is this. Pursue God. In order for us to know the will of God, we have to pursue God. It's much more important for you to know God than for you to know God's will. Because if you know God, you probably are going to be able to figure out what God's will is. Um, I've been the pastor here at Summit for going on seven years now. And we've got a few staff who have been with us since the beginning. Uh, and one of those staff is Tracy Galley. And Tracy is my assistant. She coordinates some of our office activities, things like that. She's fantastic. I love Tracy. I'm grateful for Tracy. And uh, one person besides me is grateful for Tracy. Uh, but Tracy is behind the scenes. She's a wallflower. She's probably watching right now and freaking out a little bit that I am mentioning her name from stage. But Tracy's great. Uh, and this is the, one of the things I love about Tracy. She has been around me enough, and she's been, she sits with me enough in decision-making moments that there are many times now she will tell me about a decision that was made when I wasn't there. And she'll say, are you good with that? Yeah. She'll go, good. That's what I thought. So we're already doing that. Great. So what's happened is she knows me well enough, she can anticipate what I will want. So she doesn't have to ask me about everything that comes across her desk. Does that make sense to anybody? And so we get so focused on knowing the will of God that sometimes we miss the fact that the most important part of knowing God's will is knowing God. So maybe we should focus on pursuing God and intimacy with him and relationship with him. And when we do that, as we do that, we're going to discover God's will for our lives. Psalm 27, 8, I love, I just love how this is communicated. The psalmist, he says, my heart, he's talking to God, he says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And then he says this, and my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. It's this, this moment where he's praying this prayer and he says, God, I hear your, your invitation to join you. And God, I just want you to know, I want to be anywhere you are. I just want to be close to you. I mean, this sounds like kind of a classic love song, right? God, I just want to be near you. I just want to be close to you. And I think when that is our heart's cry, when we say, God, more than I want your will for my life, I want to be near you, I want to be close to you, there's something powerful in that moment. When we can say, God, more than I want your stuff and what you can give me, I just want to be near you. That's what pursuit is about. That's what intimacy is about. That's where we as believers abandon our purposes and our plans and everything we want and just say, God, I just want you. And when that happens, I think we discover God's will for our lives. Uh, I have this conversation with people regularly. Talking about job situations or people they're dating or whatever it might be. And, um, and I think one of the things I used to believe when I was younger, I used to have this vision of God's will. It was like a tightrope. And God's will is very narrow and it's very specific. And if you miss it, you are doomed. How are you ever supposed to get back into God's will if you miss God's will? Because it's all, it's all connected. It's all like a brick wall. And if you pull one brick out, the whole thing falls. That's what I've kind of imagined it as. But I want to shift. If that's the way you imagine, I want, to, I want to shift your thinking. I don't believe that God's will is like a tightrope any longer. I, I believe that God's will is more like a river. What I believe is the more we press into God, the more intimate we are with him, the more we know his heart, the more the river 
carries us where it will. Uh, some of you, maybe for vacation, maybe you've got some time off, you get down to Ohio pile, and you'll, you'll sit in a raft, you'll sit in a canoe, you'll sit in an in a inner tube, something like that, and you'll just float the river. And you might give little nudges here or there, but the river is taking you to the final destination. And this is what I believe. What we see in Psalm 37, 23, it says the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. The steps of the righteous man or woman are ordered or directed by God. So, so what that tells me is when we delight ourselves in God, when we make God's purpose our purpose, he begins to direct our steps. We don't have to figure out every step along the way. We don't have to see the whole map. We just have to be obedient and faithful to take the next step that he directs us to take. And he will direct our steps. But the thing that's challenging is, can we trust him to take the next step? Do we trust him enough that we don't need the whole route navigated beforehand, that we can say, God, I know you know where you're going, so I'm gonna choose to take the next step. I'm just gonna trust you. Trust requires relationship. It's impossible to trust somebody that you don't know. So it makes it all the more important for us to trust God because the reality is um, we can be seeking God and miss God. And what I've seen is there are times that I've talked to people, I believe that God's will has become an idol for people. That they want God's will more than they want God. And they've missed the point. The point is God's will begins with knowing God. So it begins with pursuing him and knowing him and making him our top priority and our top affection. So how do we do that? Well, we read God's word. If my wife, my wife is out of town right now, she's in uh, Texas, and honey, if you're watching this, I love you, and uh, she is, my mother-in-law had surgery this last week, and Jan, I love you too, praying for you guys, and um, if my wife came home from Texas, and I just gave her the cold shoulder, she's like, babe, what is wrong? Why don't you even want to be in a relationship with me anymore? She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, we just never talk. Babe, I called you 20 times while I was in Texas, and you never answered. Well, I know, but that, that's not enough. Well, I sent you text messages, and you never responded. You didn't even read them. Well, I know. I just don't feel like you love me, though. I sent you emails, and you never responded to any of those. That'd be a little ridiculous, right? You'd be like, Mel, you're being a child. Absolutely, I would be, right? That's the same thing that we do, though. We go, God just won't speak to me. I can't hear from God. I think he's abandoned me. Have you read the Bible? Well, no. What? This is his word for us. We think he's ignoring us, but he's not. He's, he's laid himself bare for us to see, for us to know who he is, for us to know his thoughts, for us to know his, his vision and values. So it's important for us to avail ourselves to it. We can't say God doesn't care about us. He's not communicating us. He's not speaking to us. Well, I'm trying to find the will of God, but he's not speaking to me. Yes, he is. Look at the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Listen to this part. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's part of the reasons we don't like reading the Bible. Because we don't want to know what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Again, we don't want to be corrected. We want to be edified. We want, we want somebody to tell us we're doing a great job whether we are or not. So we avoid the word of God sometimes because we want the answer we want and we don't always want God's will. 
Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How does this happen? How do we learn God's will, God's perfect and pleasing will? It's by God letting God change our minds. It's by being transformed by his word. You want to know God's will for your life? Get into the word of God. Let your relationship with God transform you, and then you'll know the will of God for your life. His good and pleasing and perfect will. So we got to read God's word. It's not enough to read God's word. we got to trust God's word. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He says, God has begun a good work in you. He will finish the work. Trust that God will finish the work. Now, the work's not going to be finished till Jesus comes back. Right? So some of you are like, that stinks. Yep. Yep. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But he says, trust that God will do what he said he will do. And this is where we have to trust the word of God. Trust that it is true. I got, I got another question that kind of goes along with the questions we read. Uh, and I want to read it to make sure I get it right. It says this. How do you pray and really believe for a miracle, but also pray and believe that God's will is better? There's not an easy answer for this one. Because I can imagine somebody sent this question in and they're heartbroken over a marriage that looks like it's not gonna survive. Or maybe they've been praying for healing in their lives. They've been praying and praying and praying and they're not seeing, seeing physical healing and they're starting to get discouraged. Maybe they're praying for a financial miracle and they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. So when I read this question, my heart hurts for that person. And we've all been there. <laughs> I was telling somebody earlier today, I mean, I shared very publicly with our church, in December, my dad passed away. I've never prayed for anything more in my life than that. God, heal my dad. And he didn't. What does that mean? Does that mean God's bad? Does it mean we can't trust him? No, not at all. What it means is there's some things we don't understand. What it means is, in spite of that circumstance, our God is still a good God, that, that he is trustworthy. Sometimes I tell my girls no because I love them. Sometimes there are things my girls don't see, my girls don't understand, that I understand and see. And because of that, I tell them no. When they were little, there'd be times that they would say, hey, can I spend the night with? And I knew the family. And I'd be like, mm, I would prefer if you didn't. Because there are things I know that you don't know. And they might get frustrated with me. Oh, I can't believe this isn't fair. But their father wasn't saying no because I was out to get them. Or I was trying to be unfair. I was trying to punish them. I said no because there was something I was trying to prevent them from being involved in. I was trying to shield them from a culture. I was trying to shield them from something that could be hurtful for them. So at the end of the day, there's times that I have to tell my girls, would you just trust me? And in situations like that, I don't know the specific answer why sometimes we pray and someone's not healed. Why sometimes we pray and the divorce still goes through. 
But what I know is this, in spite of that, God is still good and God can still be trusted. So what do we do? Well, we pursue God. Second thing we do is pray. (laughs) I told you, we're not pulling the curtains back today. This is 101 stuff. We pray, pray, pray for wisdom. In 1 Kings, um, we see Solomon. He was given the, the kingship over Israel, and he prays and says, God, I need wisdom to govern your people well. And God gave him all the wisdom he needed. Now, I fear too many times we don't ask God for wisdom. I think if we would ask God, he would show us. He would give us the wisdom we need for the circumstances, situation we're in. But we just don't ask. So I would encourage you, ask God. Pray for wisdom. In James, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask, and God will give it to you. God is not withholding it because he thinks your prayer's not big enough. Well, that situation's not that big a deal, so I'm not gonna give them the wisdom they need. No, he's a good father. He's gonna give you the wisdom you need if you'll simply ask. The problem is, a lot of times we try to figure it out in ourselves. We try to figure it out in our own schemes, and our own machinations, and we're trying to put things together. And at the end of the day, if we would just say, God, I don't know, I need you to show me. I need wisdom. He's a good God, he'll give it to you. Second thing I would pray for is direction. And I don't know if I worded this the right way, but let me explain it to you. Um, I, I jokingly say that I'm a big dumb animal, that sometimes there's things I just don't understand, and I just need somebody to tell me. And when it comes to decision-making in my life, big decisions, there are times that I've prayed this prayer and just said, um, God, make your will so plain that in order for me to miss it, I'll have to be in rebellion. I'll have to be in sin in order to miss your will. And what I'm basically saying is, God, I'm stupid, and I really need your help here. I really just need you to show me, so show me. Uh, And I know that you probably don't need to pray that because you're much more intelligent than I am. You love God more than I do. You're closer to Jesus, so you get that. But for me, I have to pray, God, help me and just make it really clear uh, because I need his help. And and the truth is, um, sometimes we hear God speak, but but I think sometimes we're waiting for him to change his mind a little bit. (laughs) Like God speaks to us and we're like, that's fine. I'll give you a couple days to think about it, though. (laughs) As if God's going to circle back and be like, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. (laughs) Thank God he doesn't ever do that. Our God is never reconsidering ideas and going, you know what? Maybe I was wrong about that one. God isn't like that. We are. And again, sometimes we don't get the answer we want, so we wait. It's kind of like your kids, you know. You tell them no, and they go ask the other parent. Then you find out, they ask the other parent, and then the police are called in because you murdered your children. (laughs) We ask God and he doesn't give us the answer we want, we get frustrated, we get disappointed. Well, um, that's happened to me a few times. And I think one of the reasons that's happened is because I prayed this prayer. So I prayed this prayer, I think the first time I prayed this prayer was when I came I started looking for a position in 2013. I was on staff at a very large church in Oklahoma City. Uh, I had a lot of responsibility. I oversaw our main location, which had thousands and thousands of people, and uh, a big staff. 
And we were leaving there and beginning the search for an opportunity to, to lead a church. And, uh, and I told God, God, I'll go anywhere. I don't have to go to a gigantic church. I'll go anywhere you want. And I meant that sincerely. And I was willing to go to a church of 50 or 100 if it was what God wanted for our lives. And so I just, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, close the wrong doors even if it hurts my pride. And that's really easy to pray early on in that process, by the way. Because I started sending my resumes all over the place. I was sending my resume to churches of, of 100. And it was almost as if they anticipated my resume and sent the rejection letter before I even sent the resume. Because I would send my resume and like the next day I would get a rejection letter from this church. And my pride was like, well, I had as many staff as they've got in their church, Right? And I wanted to call somebody up and go, don't you know who I am? Because that was my pride. But then I had to go, no, 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 you prayed for this. You didn't have to answer it so well, God. Right? But I prayed, God, close the wrong doors even if it hurts my pride. And God did. He was faithful to that prayer. Closed every wrong door and it hurt my pride pride. And thank God he did, because I probably would have ended up at some church in Texas, and I would have, <laughs> I, would have I would have missed one of the greatest blessings of my life, because I, I, no, 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 don't clap for that. Stop it. Stop it. But I was willing to say, God, give me what you want, even if it's painful. That's not easy to do. It's even harder to do when you're neck deep in the painful part of it. So pray for direction. Close doors even if it hurts my pride. Third thing, fast. It doesn't mean pray fast. Fast. This means uh, there's a biblical principle where we skip food, skip meals, whatever it might be. And, and this is something we don't do often, but this is the amazing part. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, it says, Daniel says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So he put sackcloth and ashes on as an outward sign of mourning. So it's an outward sign of, of what's going on in his spirit. But then what he does is he says, I'm going to fast. And what fasting does is it brings our physical body into alignment with this as well. So fasting says, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to set some things aside that I want. And, and that is going to humble me so I can hear from God more clearly. So I can come into alignment with God. Because this is what I want you to understand. Fasting does not bend God to our will. It's not like we go, okay, God, I really want you to answer this prayer, so I'm gonna fast, and then God's like, no, you can't. Oh, I didn't know they were gonna fast. Now I've gotta give them what they're asking for. That's not how it works. This is how it works. We go, God, I'm praying for this, I'm gonna fast. And we begin to fast, and we, we lay some things down, and we humble ourselves before the Lord, and then what happens is we are bent to God's will. And before we know it, maybe we realize this thing I'm praying for I didn't actually need. Maybe this thing I'm praying for isn't God's best for me. And so what it does is it brings us into alignment with God. So fast, that's number three. Number four, ask godly people to pray. There's something powerful about people of the Lord coming together to pray in agreement over something. I've said this this weekend, man, I'm, I'm, 
we're working on ways that we can begin doing in-person prayer again. I'm so sick of not doing in-person prayer at the conclusion of our worship experiences. I miss it because there's something powerful about two people coming together and mingling their faith and somebody saying, man, I'm believing for this and someone else going, I'm gonna believe with you for that and seeing God work. I miss that. There's something powerful about that. The, the unity of believers to see God move. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 18, if, if two of you agree on earth about anything and ask in my Father's name, it will be done. There's something powerful about people coming together and praying. And I'm encouraging you in this, ask people to be praying for, for direction, for wisdom, for God's will in your life. Invite them into that. Ask godly people to give wise counsel this isn't on here, but I put it parenthetically in my notes. Ask people to give wise counsel and then do it. It's really easy to listen to wise counsel. Did you know that? I love hearing wise counsel. It's hard to do wise counsel though, isn't it? That's no fun because that might require change. It might require something painful, difficult. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, those who trust their own insight are fools. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. <laughs> if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. You need to surround yourself with people that are smarter and wiser than you are. You need to get insight from people who, who have been down the road you want to go down. Uh, as a pastor, I've got people, I've got a, a board that are lay people in our church that speak into the leadership of our church. They help give direction, uh, accountability, things like that. And then there are some guys that are outside of our church that are pastors of very large churches that I trust and know and love that these are guys that when I'm dealing with a situation and I go, man, I need wisdom, I will call them up and say, how do I deal with this? And they will speak into me. And there have, I don't, I can't remember a single situation that I've told them, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. Nah, you missed this one. I could, but I'd be a fool if I rejected wisdom like that. But yet we do that all the time. There's an Italian proverb. It's usually attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but um, Lincoln quoted it, but it's an Italian proverb. It says, a man who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client. I love that. If we think we're the smartest person in the room, we're in the wrong room. We need godly counsel. We need wise people to be able to speak into our lives. And then we need to listen to those people as long as it doesn't contradict Scripture. So invite godly people to speak into our situations. The last thing is this. Look for God's will and God's timing. So many times we want God's will, but we don't want his timing. We want God's will, but we want it right now. God, do whatever you want to do as long as it's in my timing. God goes, no, 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 my timing looks different than your timing. Habakkuk chapter two, verse three, it says this, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. So the vision has an appointed time. Did you see this? It's awaiting its appointed time. It, has, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So I don't know, when I was in college, I used to love it when we were sitting in class and the professor wasn't in class yet and the clock would start ticking, you're like, oh, maybe they'll be late and we get out of class today, right? And then inevitably they'd come in right before we could leave and they'd go, oh, sorry, I had a flat tire. So the class got delayed. And sometimes we think 
that God's will is like this, that, that maybe God forgot or maybe God got delayed. He got busy with something else. And that's why he's not doing what we need him to do in our lives. God doesn't get delayed. God doesn't get the flat tire. He doesn't spill coffee on his shirt. That doesn't happen to God. But what happens is the vision awaits its appointed time. Sometime the vision is waiting for all the circumstances to fall into place the way God wants it to for him to receive maximum glory. I'm not going to tell you all the stories, but David was a heavyweight in Scripture. He was anointed to be king when he was between the ages of 10 and 15 years old. He was crowned as king when he was 30, 15, 20 years later. It took a while for that vision in his life to be fulfilled. Joseph had a dream of, of ruling over his family, and he had that dream when he was in his teens, 15 or 16 years old. That wasn't fulfilled till he was almost 40. And in between, he dealt with, he was a slave. He was imprisoned, wrongfully convicted. All these ups and downs in his life that finally took him to the place that God had him for the appointed time, for the vision to be fulfilled. Abraham. Abraham was promised by God when he was 75 that he'd be the father of nations. You would think since Abraham was 75, God would speed that up a little bit. God would understand biologically this needs to go a certain way. No, that didn't work for God's timing. God said, no, we'll wait. Abraham and his wife Sarah had Isaac when they were 100. 25 years after the promise was given, he finally sees his first son. God's timing is perfect. So don't look for God's will, but not God's timing. If you can trust God to show you his will, trust God that his timing is going to be right. The passage I wanna close with is Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six. If you've been around church, you've probably heard this verse before, but I just wanna remind you of it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You sense a theme today? Knowing God's will begins and ends with trust. Do you know God? Do you trust God? Are you pursuing God? This verse says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. With everything you are, trust God. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to put the pieces together. Trust him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Say, God, you are the one who's in control. You are the one that I acknowledge. God, you are God. And it says, he will make your path straight. You don't have to worry about all the details. How's this gonna work out? What do I do about? Just trust God. Let that river carry you where it's gonna carry you. It begins with the relationship, though. So if you're here today and you would say to me, Mel, I want to know the will of God, but the truth is I'm not really in relationship. It begins with knowing God. And I want to give you that opportunity to know God today, to make Jesus sort of your life. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. You've invited us into relationship. You allow us to be a part of your purposes and your plans. God, I pray today we wouldn't just seek to know your will, but God, help us know you. Help us to long for that. Help us to pursue that more than anything else in our lives. And I pray as we do, we will discover your will. We will see what you want to do. 
and we will gladly submit ourselves to it and be a part of it. So God, I pray today, if we've made your will an idol in our lives, let us lay that down and, and resume uh, pursuit of you. God, I pray for those that are here that don't know you, that aren't in a relationship with you, let today be the day they surrender it all. Let today be the day they cease their striving, they lay some things down and they just invite you to be Lord. So God, have your way among us. Speak into us in these next few moments. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if, if you're here today and you would say to me, Mel, I'm not really serving God, I'm not really in a relationship with God, I want to know God's will, but I know that begins with knowing God. So, so today, I just want to know God. I just want to pursue Him. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. With nobody looking around, if that's you and you'd say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. Yeah, thank you. On my right. Yeah, thank you in the center section. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me. Today is my day. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to know God. few more seconds. Anyone else? All right. I'd like every person in this place to pray this prayer with me. It says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So if, if you raise your hand and said, that's me, I want you to pray this with everything you've got. I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer with me as if you're praying it for the first time. I'd love for you to join us online and pray this prayer with us as well. So repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. Today, I turn away from my old life and my old ways. From this day on, you are Lord of my life. Use me for your glory. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause today? Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture says you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So we'd love to help you take the next step in your faith journey. So if you prayed that prayer with us, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says need prayer. On the other side it says salvation. You'll fill out the side of the card that says salvation. And then just drop it off at one of our tables as you are leaving today. They're going to give you a Bible and help you take the next step. If you're watching online or you're here in the room and you prefer to text us, just text the word DIFFERENT to the number 94000. So DIFFERENT to 94000. Let us know about your decision. And we're going to help you take the next step as well. Uh, we'll get you some resources in the mail, and we will help you uh, begin to grow in your faith. So thank you for worshiping with us online today. We are so grateful that you took time out of your day to be a part. Um, if you need prayer today, email your prayer needs to us at prayer at summitpa.church. Let us know about your prayer needs. But just know we are agreeing with you and believing with you. Just because we haven't been praying with you at the front of the room doesn't mean we're not praying for you. We love you guys. I love you more than you know. I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.